Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And if you should happen to be a first-time listener, I say welcome. Welcome to a few moments. And I hope that I can inspire you to become a daily listener. Because from this show, you will gain knowledge. Knowledge that you could get nowhere else. Because we are like our enslaved ancestors of years ago that sat around the bonfires at night in the slave quarters and told the children of their voyage across the mighty water and told them of the land that they left, our motherland, and told them also of the separation of their families, but could not tell them how to return to their ancestral home. If you give me a few moments, I will introduce you to black men and women that have been at the forefront of this war for equality that we have been in for generations and generations. If you give me a few moments, I will tell you of atrocities that we have had to live through for decades and decades and will have to live through today. If you give me a few moments, I will show you how out of the darkness we rise. The last few years have drawn increased attention to police brutality and racism across the United States. But racist police torture isn't usually part of that discussion, unless you've paid attention to the saga of John Borge in Chicago. A former police commander, Borge was indicted in 2008 on perjury and obstruction of justice charges related to a civil case involving the torture of mostly black suspects in police custody from 1972 to 1991. The indictment came several years after the U.S. military was revealed to have tortured detainees in Iraq, most infamously Abdul Gerard. Burge, however, was indicted for torturing people here in an American metropolis by the name of Chicago, and not just once, but repeatedly, not briefly, but across nearly two decades. Burge died at the age of 70 at his home in Florida, where he has spent most of his time since his firing from the Chicago Police Department in 1993 often spent time on his boat, the Vigilante. And upon this tyrant's death, Burge had served slightly less than four and a half years in prison for his charges related to torture. Meanwhile, the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois spent well over a hundred million dollars 
on the various settlements, reparation fees, and legal defense for Burge and his associates. An unknown number of black men, perhaps over 200, were subject to searing physical and emotional pain from Burge's actions. The late commander's crimes are still shocking to access, but those crimes also must be seen as of a piece with a broader culture of brutality and racism in the Chicago Police Department. Burge's death came just days into the trial of a white Chicago police officer for the murder of 17-year-old black teenager Laquan McDonald, and in the wake of a 2017 Department of Justice probe that found the Chicago police regularly using excessive and deadly force in tolerating racist policing practices. Burge is now gone, but Chicago will be dealing with the fallout of his actions for generations to come. The broader cultural of racism and brutality that he was at the helm of in the Chicago Police Department appears to be firmly intact. So, my friends, what he started in Chicago basically is still going on. Burge's crimes were broken wide open by John Conroy, who reported the story in the Chicago Reader, an alt-weekly. The 1990 article, House of Screams, tells the story of a suspect named Andrew Wilson and his brother Jackie, who were both accused and later convicted of killing two police officers. Andrew Wilson told the reader he was subject to, in Conroy's words, burns and electrical shock, the shock delivered by two different devices to his genitals, his ears, his nose, and his fingers while being interrogated by officers under Burgess' command. Accusations from other victims reported by Conroy range similar shocks to beatings to officers putting plastic bags over subjects' heads. There were stories of burns from cigarettes and radiators that individuals in police custody were chained to. Well, well, here comes those damn chains again, huh? The allegations came out shortly after Burge was first taken to civil court in 1989 by the People's Law Office, a Chicago civil rights practice that would come to represent many of Burge's torture victims from that point on. One attorney, Flint Taylor, has written intensively about Burge's crimes in recent years. He described an unremitting official cover-up that has implicated a series of police superintendents, numerous prosecutors, more than 30 police detectives and supervisors, and a most notably Richard M. Daly, the city's former longtime mayor and a previous state's attorney. The revelation came to Taylor and his partner in part through multiple anonymous sources who worked with Burge, including one 
who left anonymous voicemails who they took to calling Deep Badge. That just goes to show you, my friends, that not all police officers in Chicago are tyrants. And they have a conscience. And it's hard for them to go to work on a daily basis with all of these atrocities happening in the city by their co-workers. After appealing the verdict against Andrew Wilson in a torture case he brought against Burge, the People's Law Office's compiled evidence was enough to convince the police to reopen its Wilson investigation, as well as a broader probe into Burge's torture. He was brought before the Chicago Police Board in 1992. And by that time, the city's police union had come to his defense. A fundraiser organized for Burge at a local union hall drew 3,000 people. Now, that's a pill that's hard to swallow. 3,000 people came to his fundraiser. And the reason that they were there because they believed in what he was doing to people was right. Now, if all of those 3,000 people were police officers, then the people of color in Chicago are in for some hard times because that is almost half of the whole police force. More victims, however, were coming forward with accusations. Among them, mock executions through Russian roulette, sticking a gun in a suspect's mouth, and the use of a cattle prod, sometimes on a suspect's genitals. Taylor claims they documented 118 such cases. Burge was suspended from the police department in 1991, but he continued to collect a pension from the city. Cases against him wended their way through the courts over the years, while the statute of limitations had run out to charge Burge with torture. He could be charged with perjury and obstruction of justice. He was convicted in 2010 and eventually released early for good behavior. So let's get this straight. He was suspended from the department in 1991, but yet he wasn't convicted until 2010. That means they purposely waited until the statute of limitations had run out to charge him. In 2006, Conroy reported about a group of alleged torture victims who sought to move their cases out of the county judiciary because the bench was dotted with police veterans and those who had worked the cases involving torture in the first place. In 2016, reporter Maya Dunk Mazavo paraphrased Conroy's description of the close associations between the judiciary and the police as a system where people who were complicit in the CPD torture made their way up into the ranks of the judiciary. The damage wrought by Burgess' torture is wide and deep. 
over $100 million in brutality settlements, $5.5 million won by activists for uh, reparations funds for victims and their family, as well as a mandatory curriculum for Chicago public school students to learn about Burge's legacy of torture. And most importantly, those individuals who were tortured, indelibly scarred by the torture itself. The story of Burge's torture is unique because it stretched almost two decades and involved barbaric methods rarely seen on U.S. soil in modern times. But it was not the end of police brutality and racism in Chicago. Nor, according to federal investigators, was that racism and brutality isolated to Burgess' command. Take Chicago police misconduct cases, which are constant and massively expensive. From January 2005 through June 2008, the city of Chicago paid about $230 million in police misconduct settlements and judgments. More, as a reporter Mike Dumke put it, than L.A., Houston, Phoenix, Philly, and Dallas put together. Those numbers include torture payouts, but more recent settlements are still enormous. Payments for misconduct cases plus lawyer fees cost the city $371 million from 2011 to 2016. That is ridiculous. They're just saying that I'm going to pay you, but I'm going to kick your ass first. An Intercept investigation in October 2016 detailed a Chicago police tactical gang unit's alleged protection racket that charged favorite drug dealers from impunity and went after their competition. The police became players in the drug trade and were rumored to have murdered two drug dealers who wouldn't play ball then retaliated against two whistleblower officers, showing, in the words of a judge, extraordinarily serious retaliatory misconduct by officers at nearly all levels of the CPD hierarchy. Investigations by The Guardian in 2015 revealed a Chicago police equivalent of a CIA black site, a clandestine and unaccountable detention facility at which more than 7,000 arrestees were taken, nearly 6,000 of whom were black. The detainees would disappear for up to 24 hours at a time, sometimes allegedly suffering beatings by officers. And then there is the case of Jason Van Dyke, the police officer who shot Laquan McDonald 16 times. Like Burgess' operation, the Van Dyke shooting appears to have led to a massive cover-up. Officers on the scene blatantly lied in multiple aspects of their accounts of the incident. 
Chicago police leadership reviewed the dash cam footage of the scene and approved the obviously false officer reports. City officials refused to release the video of the shooting for over a year. And they wonder why we don't like or trust the boys in blue? The ones I feel sorry for are the brothers that are in blue because they have to watch this go on and they have families to support and they have pensions that they are longing to get to. I understand. I don't agree, but I understand. But anyhow, the shooting took place on October 2014 as Mayor Rahm Emanuel's February 2015 re-election campaign was heating up. The city fought to keep the footage out of the public eye for as long as possible and only brought charges against Van Dyke a few hours before the video was released. In 2008, newly elected state's attorney Anita Alvarez pledged to ensure a grand injustice like Burgess' torture scandal would never happen again. Eight years later, she lost her re-election by nearly 30 points spread amid a general perception that her office had aided in the McDonald cover-up. That same year, a police accountability task force released a report about the nature of Chicago police abuse against black and Latino Chicagoans, the conclusions of which were almost identical to a similar report produced in 1972. Despite repeated calls for reform of the Chicago Police Department, nothing ever seems to change. John Burge's years of torture were a horror, but he was always a particularly morbid symptom of a much larger problem of racism and brutality among Chicago cops. Burge may be dead, but the police culture that allowed him to operate for nearly two decades is not. So there you have it, my friends, the torturer of Chicago. He only served four and a half years for his ghastly crimes. And he drew his pension till the day he died. It is hard for me to believe that we are actually fighting about whether teachers should be allowed to tell the truth about history. The fact being that they cannot keep hiding our history because our history is the truth. Whether it be old or new, it is ours. And that music once again tells me that it is that time. But I'll leave you with this message. Life does not allow me to go back and fix what I have done wrong in the past, but it does allow for me to live each day better than my last. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor.